Hello everyone and welcome to Lowell Assembly's online services. My name is Dylan, I'm one of the pastors on staff here and I wanna thank you for tuning in today. Uh, whether you're watching with us live on Sunday or you're watching this later in the week through YouTube, Vimeo or television, I wanna say thank you. And I wanna take just a moment and pray for you that God's presence meets you wherever you are, whenever you're watching this, because I believe he can do that for you. So let's take just a moment and pray before we begin. Lord, thank you that your presence is with us and is not limited by time and space. I pray that you would help each and every one of us face our fears with courage and that you would give us peace. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, the Psalms are our guide to deal with emotions. Uh, they're our guide in the Bible's way to teach us to sing and pray through life's trials and joys. And today we'll be in Psalm 34, a Psalm that teaches us how to deal with fear. In this Psalm, uh, David addresses three fears that are not only common in our culture, but in the complexity of our lives. David prayed this prayer according to the superscript when he was face to face with his lifelong enemy. He was at the mercy of a man who hated him and barely escaped by pretending to be insane. The psalm is his response to God after that escape. It's David's lesson on how to deal with fear when you're confronted with the things that you dread. David spent his life fighting the Philistines, and now all of a sudden he's at the mercy of one of them. In addition to having incredible historical significance, this psalm has a special place in my personal life. Uh, very recently, I was reading the writings of a divinity student from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, he said this, addiction and recovery literature often notes that one inevitable and impactful moment in a man's development is when he is confronted with his father's imperfections. Just last week, we celebrated Father's Day, and God has been gracious to bless me, not just with one, but with two fathers, both of whom I respect, love, and have a good relationship with. I deeply admire them both. But I can remember on one moment where my adoptive father and my brother had a big blowout when I was 18. Don't misunderstand me, I'm not critiquing him. No one is perfect. I'll spare the details because I want to keep the dignity of my family members intact. Just know that it was a heartbreaking situation. And for the first time in my life, I could see just how fragile my family and even my own father was. And I was afraid. I retreated to the dining room because it was the only safe haven and deserted place in the house. With tears coming down my face, the Holy Spirit brought these words to my mind from Psalm 34. Let's read them together. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous 
and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. This is God's word. Much like the rest of human history, we're plagued in our day by fear. We think it's worse than ever before, but truthfully, the media just has a bigger microphone to amplify the already sorry condition of our country and our lives. We're afraid that our prosperity is coming to an end. We're afraid of the injustices that are present in both parties of our leadership. And we're afraid of a virus that we cannot see. Poverty, war, injustice, corruption, disease, and death are not new enemies to mankind. These things, though, are not just uh, news. They're not just things that are on CNN or Fox News. We have the misfortune of witnessing our families being attacked up close, our loved ones die, our businesses and careers torpedoed, and our futures put in a more precarious position than ever before. These paralyzing fears affect us corporately, but they certainly are up close and personal. And David knew what that was like. What began as a promising youth quickly devolved into being taken from his home, being chased from his wife and career, spending years away from the place and the people he cherished, and ultimately having to live among those whom hated, who hated him the most. And to add insult to this injury, David is now barely escaping the hands of the king of Gath. After David suffers all of this, displacement, loss of loved ones, separation, injustice, mistreatment, he doesn't respond the way that you would think. And we could all learn from David in our present age. Many are looking at what they're losing today. They're looking at tragedy all around and asking, where is God? But David had a different response. He had great reason to expect good things from God. And yet he doesn't grow bitter when facing his fears. Listen to this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. For David, peace wasn't found when his fears evaporated. And I often find that what I focus on with my mind looms largest in my heart. Notice what David prays. Those who look to him are radiant. I will bless him at all times. Sometimes God leverages the loss of our relationships, security, and possessions to give us a peace that's more resilient because it's based on what's eternal. Remember that David is writing this from the cave of Adullam. If you look at this picture that's on the screen right now, you'll see the Valley of Elah in Israel where David killed Goliath, the site of one of his greatest achievements and victories. I took this picture when I was able to go to Israel last year, and Pastor Paul pointed out something very interesting about this site to me. It's interesting to note that within eyeshot, over the hill crest of where David slew Goliath, his greatest victory is the cave of Adullam, the place where it's his lowest moment. And I can't help but think he's despondent, thinking it will never be that good again, gazing into his past. You see, this song that's being sung today isn't some victory song at the end of the movie. This is peace with God being sung in the face of overwhelming odds and fear. Isaiah the prophet said it this way. 
you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Uh, in case you're unaware, I'm a hopeless Star Wars fanatic. I often spend time reading Wikipedia pages, which is basically Wikipedia, but for people with no life. And probably the best Star Wars quote, I think, in all of Star Wars history is from Qui-Gon Jinn when he's talking to Anakin. And before they part, he says this, your focus will become your reality. And in a manner of speaking, he's correct. David knew how to look to God when fear overcame him. When circumstances bore down on him, David shows how the peace of God settles all of our fears that we experience. And there are a few fears that David addresses in this particular Psalm that are significant for us, not only in a chaotic period in American history, but for our daily lives as human beings. Listen to verses eight to 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Worrying about money is probably as old as humanity itself. Uh, Jesus, for example, spent more time talking about money and, and possessions than he did about heaven and hell combined in the New Testament. Financial instability is one of our greatest fears. My first year working here as a pastor, basically all of my money went to rent and debt payments. And between rent and debt, I was left with maybe like 30% of my monthly income. I survived off ragu sauce and ramen noodles, which makes the worst meal you've ever tasted. And if you like ramen noodles, I'd like to make our church counseling services available to you. I'm deeply concerned for your mental health. But uh, we, one day as I sat down in my tiny basement apartment, as I'm eating a dinner that's, that's ruining my health and my car is failing and everything's crashing in, I had what I can only describe as a nervous breakdown. Uh, and during this, I cried out to the Lord, genuinely cried out and asked for help financially. I had no safety net. I had no family nearby and, and I didn't have anything. Miraculously, within an hour, someone who remains a very dear friend of mine to this day gifted me a car. Uh, she had no idea the panic I was going through, but God did. God says, even the young lion suffers want. And you may think that if you were just younger, healthier, more skilled, or had better opportunity, you could escape the cycle and achieve financial independence. But that is not God's objective for your life. David is reminding us to have peace with God in our finances. God knows your need. Independence was never the goal for him. It was, ne it was always the goal for him. It was never self-sufficiency. And if God can provide for David in a desert and for me in a dingy basement, he can provide for you peace with God for fi through financial uncertainty is possible. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And you can bank on that. Give freely and God will provide everything that you need. You'll be more secure than all the money in the world could make you. Not that I would recommend his philosophy, but a famous Greek philosopher named uh, Diogenes was approached by Alexander the Great. Alexander greatly admired him and said he would give him anything in the world. And Diogenes looked at Alexander and said, get out of my sunlight. Um, we have greater reason to be at peace than Diogenes, who was content with nothing because the scriptures say through Christ, we have everything. Money isn't wealth. And the fear of not having it is defeated when we know our provider.
Secondly, David deals with our fear of death. Listen to verses 11 to 14. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. In our current crisis, we are facing the very real possibility of death. As coronavirus looms over our heads, and I think God has been gracious during this time to to remind us that our days are numbered. Uh, One way or another, we all die. We're not promised tomorrow. Uh, I read a publication called Desiring God on a Daily Basis. And recently I read an article that posed a very simple question that hit me deeply. It said, what if you are dead by 40? And I think what the author of this article had in mind And what David is getting at here is that it's not the length of your life that's important, it's the quality of it. He's tapping into a desire we all have to live long and say it's more important to live well. It's funny that David asks, which one of you wants to live long and see good days? Everyone's hand should proverbially be up at that moment. And David answers the question and says, good, then act righteously. Most people think a blessed life is a long life, or a life free from pain, but the answer to the fear of death is not a longer or more comfortable mortal life. It's living as if you're looking to eternal life, towards a a different life. Bono, the lead singer of U2, uh, once said in an interview, stop asking God to bless you and start doing what God blesses. What if you weren't afraid of death anymore because you were at peace with God and it was verified by the way that you live? The real reason we fear death is because we fear that which comes after. And some delude themselves with thoughts of annihilation that they will not have to account for the life they are living today. But Jesus said to us, this is how my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples in John 15, 8. You see, the good things that you do don't earn your way into God's family, but they certainly validate your status as a child of God. They show the world that you already are what you say you are. Paul the Apostle said it this way, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has already made me his own. Living life in such a way that you need not fear death is what David is getting at here. Don't try to extend your life. There is no fountain of youth and the technocrats and billionaires of our age will not find the secret of immortality. Instead, live a mortal life that speaks of eternal life, which only Christ can give. You can have peace with God in place of the fear of death. Recently, uh, my longtime hero and one of the inspirations uh, for me to join the ministry passed away, Ravi Zacharias. And whether it's a hero or a family member, Uh, We feel sorrow in our hearts and through the fear of death, the Bible says, we have been subjugated to lifelong slavery. However, when I think of this, I call the words of my Lord Jesus to mind when he says, look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? And later, not one sparrow, falls to the ground without the knowledge of your heavenly father. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Death does not need to frighten you 
who are in Christ Jesus. And lastly, we come to the fear of oppression. In verses 15 to 18, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. In an age of oppression and violence from all sides, my cautions from God's word is very simple. Trust the Lord and act righteously. I'm not wise enough to determine what political and economic system and policy change would lend itself to the greatest amount of freedom and opportunity for all, but this I do know. All ideologies are dangerous without Christ. Without God, we position ourselves as the absolute. And everyone else, therefore, who interferes is an enemy. We demean people that are precious and made in the image of God when we exchange the value of the individual for the greater good of some cause. But listen to David, a man familiar with oppression, a man who's lost everything because of the mistreatment of others and the unfairness of a corrupt government. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers. In our nation, we fear one another. We think that one piece of reform or legislation will set things right, but apart from the king of glory, who can make the scales balanced? Some people may critique me and say, should not the church lead? Shouldn't we act? Shouldn't we speak up? Yes, we must act with bended knee, hands together, and forgiveness and humility in our hearts. In a world bent on revenge, what if we forgave? What if the place of the church isn't at the front grabbing for the microphone, shouting on social media, but in the back, reconciling and healing, mending and blending. I fear that our competing ideas of justice will lead to oppression for all and freedom for none. Fear and anger do terrible things to people. To quote another famous philosopher, Master Yoda, fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate. We all have a lot of repenting to do and may you without sin pick up the first stone. Notice Davis, David's response to oppression. King Saul has driven him out, taken everything from him, yet he prays the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Let me bring this down from a cultural level to a personal one. You have a choice to make when you are wronged. You can let anger and fear drive you to hate and destroy a person made in the image of God, or you can bless those who curse you. God is equally a God of justice and forgiveness, but it's easy for us to see the fault in others while giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We assume the worst in others' intentions without second-guessing our own. And I wonder if not only our republic, but our lives would be a more peaceful place if we responded in our brokenheartedness with blessing to those who do not deserve it in our eyes. Because that's exactly what Christ did for you. And that is what David is doing here by refusing to retaliate against Saul. Proverbs 25, verse 21 to 22 says this. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. And this is easily misread. One biblical scholar who I believe is Korean named Hrei Kyo points out that this was actually an Egyptian purification rite 
It was a ritual that was meant to absolve the offender of guilt as a sign of repentance. They would carry a glowing basin of coals on their head to make restitution. What if your forgiveness could be the catalyst for somebody else's redemption and healing? What if you could change somebody else's life if you laid down your need to be the one to punish them? God works out oppression and the wrongs done to us. And we can be the agents of changing it, not primarily by being out front leading culture, but by healing those left behind by it. And I'm not just speaking on a cultural level. What if the man or woman who oppressed you, who wounded you, could be changed with your forgiveness? Would you be willing to give it? And this doesn't mean that no judgment happens. It just means that we trust God will deal it out more fairly than we are able to. And more than that, we hope he would be as gracious to them as he has been to us in our sin. But overcoming that kind of fear requires a peace the world can't give you. That's a forgiveness that will fail in the face of fear. No election or policy change can solve this. This is distributed only through the grace and peace of Jesus Christ and our conscious decision to let grace have the final word over judgment. As James, the brother of Jesus said, judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Don't let the fear of what others may do to you choke out the love of God that is within you. And whether it's one of David's fears or it's a fear of your own, I believe that the Lord will hear your cry today. And that Psalm 34 is a template for you to approach God with what you're afraid of and find his grace and his peace as you look to him. He himself will be your peace. David concludes this prayer, this song, by saying, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I'd like to close with a prayer. And this week, I encourage you to meditate on these words. When you want to post I encourage you instead to pray. When you want to lash out, I would advise you instead to forgive. Rest from your anxiety. The Lord has all of your days in his hand. He can be trusted with your life, your provision, your mistreatment, your disappointments, and all of your fears because they're powerless when you look to God and know that your father cares for you. And no longer do you need to make it right in the world. But even if you're in the cave of Adullam, you can sing along with David, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just when things reach a resolution, but in the middle of the battle, I can sing. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you that you're present with us in tribulation and in good times, that you're with us through trials and in joys. I pray right now that your spirit would be present with people wherever they are and whatever they're going through. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would give them the courage to forgive, that, that would give them everything they need to overcome financial instability. God, I pray your peace would even release them from the fear of death, and they would know that through Christ Jesus, they have life and life more abundantly. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service. Please go to lowellag.org to keep tuned in with everything that's happening here at the church. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.